All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a speaking into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Today I want to talk about two things really quickly. I want to talk, uh, ironically, about perseverance, uh, the perseverance of prayer, but I'm going to talk about it really quickly. Uh, and then uh, presence. After Jesus instructed his disciples on how to pray, it's one of the most famous passages of Scripture ever. In fact, I didn't even give it to the guys to put it up on the screen because many of us will know it or have heard it. Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone's sin against us, lead us not into temptation. And then he instructs them later on in chapter 8 of that same book, he, he instructs them through a story. And Jesus often talked in parables, he talked in these story forms, a little bit cryptic, a little bit uh, you know, mysterious in the sense that you've got to kind of figure out what it is that he's actually saying. But through this story of a widow, he instructs the disciples that when they pray, they ought to continue to pray. They should be continuously praying. And sometimes it requires perseverance in our prayer to see God move. We live in such an instant gratification world. Don't we? I'm, I'm the worst at this. I, uh, I'm instant gratification. Uh, I'm the worst to buy gifts for because I've probably already gotten it uh, if it's something that I want or need. Uh, we get our food, our meals through a drive-thru. Uh, we do our banking now through with a drive-thru teller or if that's too long, through an ATM. Uh, we go to HEB and we do curbside to go. We don't even have to go into the store and interact with the real people. We, we let the, the work come to us. We, we live in this world where everything we do is instant. We have instant information. We have instant access to the news. We have, or whatever, you know, we have instant access to what's going on in people's lives There's, through social media. There's just, we live in this world where everything is happening at a rapid pace. And yet we find ourselves in this place of our faith where time is often exactly what is required of us in our prayer. Eugene Peterson said it like this, waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. That is the perseverance of prayer. So what is it about Jesus that transformed people? He was here on this earth, he's walking this earth. I think the key to everything that Jesus did was what he saw the Father do. He had such a relationship with the Father. He, he knew God so well. I mean, of course, he is part of the Trinity, and of, of course, there is the deity of all of that. But, but what he did while he was on this earth was what he saw the Father do. 
He was aware of his plans and he was aware of the presence of God in the midst of situations. He said what his father would say. He chose to live as a man who was surrendered to God. And my question for us this morning is, are we a people who say that we follow after Jesus? We are Christ followers. My question for us is, are we surrendered to the Father? I mean, in the case of Jesus, even though he's the Son of God, he he didn't really live from that place. Scripture, in fact, says that he didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped, meaning that he chose instead to live as a man surrendered. If Jesus, while he walked this earth, laid hands on people and, and prayed for people and they were healed, if he did that in the deity of who he is, then guess what? That means that we don't have the ability to do that because we are not deity. Instead, Jesus modeled for us what it is to be surrendered to the Father, to walk this earth as a man and pray for people in the name of his Father to be healed. And they were. We see examples through his life, honestly, in in some cases that have rarely or never been repeated in, in the sense that everyone he prayed for was healed. Right? Everyone he ministered to was always left with a decision that would affect eternity. And so there is part of this process where Jesus was so in tune with the Father that every step that he took in the miraculous took place. But I wonder how much more we could find ourselves in this life that we live in surrender to the Father. Do we even look for those opportunities to pray for healing in people's lives? Sometimes we're waiting for a sign, right? I saw the sign, and it opened up my eyes. Just checking, see if you guys are awake. No, I think sometimes we're waiting for this external voice to say, okay, go and pray and lay hands. Because if we were to hear an external voice, Ryan, go lay hands on that person and pray, then we would be like, well, we, it must be God. I now have the faith to go and lay hands. We, we live through this life not stepping out in our faith, oftentimes because we are waiting for some external voice, an external impression, instead of just recognizing that sometimes it is the presence of God in our life that he often speaks to us. Sometimes it's, it's understanding that still small voice. Sometimes it's just seeing in someone else that there's something to be taken care of in their life, to be able to approach them and to recognize. We have people who, who come and say, uh, I, I don't, I've never heard the voice of God, but they come into service and they find themselves weeping. That's the presence of God. That is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in this place where people experience the presence of God and it, it moves them to a place of tears. Don't discount that. Don't, don't, don't set that aside as just an emotion. There's actually the presence of God that you are experiencing, that we are, we are created, in fact. We're created to hear the voice of God and to experience his presence. 
But why perseverance? Why is it necessary for us to spend time contending and believing for God to move and work? Why doesn't he just do it immediately? I don't know that I have the complete answer to this, but I have thought about this. I wonder if maybe it's because when we have to persevere, we linger longer into his presence. Have you ever... Have you ever thought about why God speaks in mystery? Well, why is it in the parables? Why is it it sometimes, why does God move and work through words that have to be translated or interpreted? Why why does God speak in such a way? Why, Why isn't it just more clear? And I just wonder if maybe there's something of a dialogue that he wants to take place. That there's that as relational beings, we are people who come into the presence of God, and there actually is this exchange of relationship that takes place where we're saying, God, I don't understand this. God, would you explain this to me? Would you show, show me some clarity in what it means to walk this out in, in this life? Because we're not robots. God didn't create a a bunch of robots to just fulfill some commission. We are people who are on this relational journey, and, and he wants our time. He wants our presence, and he wants us to draw near to him, to, to spend time in relationship with our Heavenly Father. Hebrews 10, 21 through 25, this is the theme Really, and I'm going to pull a couple things out of this this morning. It says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to hope, to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us... Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. There's something here in this passage that challenges us to draw near into the presence of God. And yet there's something that holds us back. There's something Oftentimes, it's the fact that we don't feel as though we can come into the presence of, of God with, with a sincere heart. It's a, a little bit of, of why I was addressing that this morning was, was that oftentimes what happens is we come into this place and we sing songs. But my question for us is, are we preparing our hearts to draw near into the presence of God with a sincere heart? Or is it that we're just coming and we're, we're making it happen? We're just ticking the box. We're, we're gathering together. We're not forsaking the gathering of the saints. And that's good. But I wonder if we're missing out on something that God wants to do and speak into our life because the sincerity of our hearts may be lacking a little bit. So draw near to God with a sincere heart. That's point number one. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. 
How many of us are, are willing to pray that this morning? You know, don't raise your hands. How, how many of us are willing to say, search my heart, O oh God? Know my heart. I think, if we're being honest, even though he already knows our heart, the reality is, is we're afraid that he might find a lack of sincerity. Some people don't want to pray that because honestly, they're just comfortable in their sin. But they're not willing to give up their sin. The question for us is, who's going to pray that prayer? Who's going to say, God, would you search my heart this morning? God, would you, would you show me areas of my heart in which I'm not fully surrendered to you? What if God became the priority of our life? Like what, if, what if waking up in the morning and persevering in the presence of God was the actual priority? Not social media not our phone, not our texting, not our emails, not our work, not our errands, not the, all of the things that we've got to get done. But what if all of those things took a back seat to the priority that is God? Yes, we still have to work. We still have bills to pay. We have errands to run. We have kids to care for. We have all of those things. But in the midst of all of those things, God can still be the priority. Hebrews goes on and says then that we must consider how we spur one another on. First Thessalonians 3.12 says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Meaning that when we gather together, that we have this unique opportunity to spur one another on in love. That there should be testimonies of God's miraculous work in your life. That God is transforming your life, that there should be testimony of the transformational work of God that takes place. In fact, that is the thing that spurs us on in our faith. Without it, our faith decreases. Without it, our faith is weakened, and so we don't step into more of what he has for us. But I'll tell you what, when you hear the testimony of how God healed someone or raised someone from the dead or did a miraculous work, all of a sudden, it's like, maybe God could do that for me. Not maybe, he can. He can do it for you. Revelation 12, 11 says that they triumphed over him, him being Satan, meaning that he did not overcome them by the, word, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There's something powerful in the testimony of God's presence and God's power that moves people. That's why we need you to fill this out and let us know when, when there's something that we can celebrate. I don't talk about the founder of our movement of uh, Foursquare Amy Simple McPherson very often, but I came across a, a story recently that shows what happens when we witness the power of God moving. 
It's about a man named uh, Dr. Charles Price. He's a pastor. Uh, he, he was the pastor uh, from uh, back in the 1920s. He was pastor of the theologically liberal First Congregational Church in Lodi, California. What church do you go to? I go to the theologically liberal First Congregational Church in Lodi, California. What do you have to do to be the first church in a city? Right? It's first Assemblies of God, First Baptist Church, Second Baptist Church. We're sixth Foursquare Church of San Antonio. His purpose was to expose the evangelist, Amy Simple McPherson, as a fraud. He was so confident that he would achieve this mission that he even placed an advertisement in the local newspaper promoting the title of his next sermon, Divine Healing Bubble Explodes. Some of Price's church members had attended the revival services in San Jose and reported large numbers of conversions and miracles. He scoffed. And replied, I can explain it all. It is a metaphysical, psychological, nothing tangible. Price arrived at the revival with a pen and paper ready to take notes. He had difficulty finding a seat as the revival tent was packed with 6,000 people. But finally, he uh, finally was seated in the section that was reserved for people with infirmities who were actually desiring healing. He was shocked to discover that the revival was being sponsored by a guy named Dr. William Keeney Towner, pastor of the prestigious First Baptist Church in Oakland. Price and Towner had been friends when Price had served as, past, as a pastor in Oakland. Towner came over to Price and told him, Charlie, this is real. This little woman is right. This is the real gospel he says, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's genuine. I'm telling you, this is what you need. It's always the worst when someone comes and says, you know what you need? <laughs> you need this in your life. While Price expected McPherson's sermon to be rife with fanaticism, fanaticism, he was surprised to discover that her message was thoroughly biblical and compelling. Hundreds responded to an invitation to go to the altar and accept Christ. He returned that evening, and although still skeptical, he was seated on the platform this time with the other ministers. He quickly became a believer. However, once he began witnessing numerous healings, including a blind person re regaining sight and a lame person being able to walk, when McPherson invited people to raise their hands if they wanted to accept Christ, Price raised his hand. A fellow minister leaned over and whispered, Charlie, I don't know if you know this, but she's calling for sinners. Price responded and said, I know who she's calling for. He quickly went down to the altar, recommitted himself to Christ, and later would state that he left that tent a new man. Price continued to go back to the night, nightly revival meetings. He felt conviction about his pride and ambition and lack of integrity. And after four nights praying at the altar, Price was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Price shared his experience with his congregation, and soon 500 of his church members also were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the once liberal congregation became a center for revival in the community and began holding evangelistic street meetings in nearby towns. Price ultimately became one of the best-known evangelists of the 20th century. 
He went from skeptic to believer because he witnessed the reality of God's healing power. The Lord longs for each of us to come into a place of personal, individual significance far beyond our greatest dream. It is vital that we recognize and we know the voice of God that when we see the presence of God in people's lives, when we hear the voice of God, that we step out in faith and we believe that God is going to do the miraculous. And then finally, we have to not give up, Hebrews tells us, meeting together. We have to encourage one another. For 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact that you are doing. Listen, everyone, we cannot neglect gathering together. There is something powerful that takes place when we come together. Listen, the, the church in, in this century has, no one's arguing the fact that we've, the, the, how we meet and how we gather and what we do is, is necessarily the way things were done in Acts. Nobody's arguing that, I don't think. I'm not arguing that. But this is the culture that we live in. We live in a culture that uh, has a stage and chairs and coffee and a nice place to, to gather. But, but the thing that is the same from Acts till today is the gathering together of people. That is where the power takes place. That is where the presence of God takes place is when we gather together. Does that mean that I can't worship on my own? Ryan, is that what you're saying? I think you're a heretic. No, I'm not saying that you can't worship God on your own. I'm not saying that you can't pray on your own. What I'm saying is that clearly there is something in our faith because Hebrews talks all about our faith, that there's something that is built up in our faith when we gather together and encourage each other and we spur one another on in love and that when we leave this place, we go empowered in faith with the presence of God in our life to see God move and work. That's why we gather together. It's why it's so important for us to gather more than 1.8 times a month, to be honest with you. And I don't say that as, as, a, as a slap on the wrist. Actually, I just said that as a slap on the wrist. So the, the, here's the reality is there is something of importance that takes place when we gather together and we collectively worship God in one voice. When we are encouraged through his word, when we fellowship with one another and we spur one another on in faith and in good deeds and then we walk out those doors empowered people of God that can actually do and see the miraculous take place because Jesus said, the things that I've done on this earth, you will actually do more of. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus said. And we can leave here today. I think I just spit. We can leave here today knowing that we are an empowered people who can lay hands on people and see, see people healed. Not because of us, 
Not, 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 not because of, of anything that's in our power or ability to do, but because of the presence and the power of God in us. But I'm telling you, we will miss it. We will not see it. We will not have opportunities to do those things if we don't spend time in the presence of God. We will not see it. We will not hear it. We will not experience it. We have to spend time in the presence of God. Together, individually, everything we do, we make God the priority in our life. And man, let's see what he can do. Let's see what he'll do in and through us. Let's pray.